Listen, we're going to look at healing today. We'll be looking at healing for the uh, next three weeks, but I'm going to set it up and um, I'm going to go ahead and pray to where you don't have to play all day. So Father, we just pray that you would impart to us some powerful things today and uh, show us deeper about your healing power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. So I'm going to show a few scriptures to start. Just It'll confuse the starch out of you when it comes to healing, but we'll come around. So look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's kind of a weird scripture to start healing on, but the Bible says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Okay, so there's one thing. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And he gives an example. He doesn't exhaust all the examples, but he gives an example. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. So what we have to see here, first and foremost, as that stays on the screen, is that the Bible says our knowledge is partial and it is incomplete. So let's go ahead as just radical, crazy believers that think we know everything about the Bible. Let's just go ahead and admit today, even though we think we know it all, we really don't know it all. Okay, because the truth says our knowledge right now of what we have, even when we read the full counsel of the word of God, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. So even when it comes to healing, even over the next three Sundays, it's still partial and incomplete because there's many mysteries about healing, even with Jesus. He he couldn't even heal in his own hometown because there was no faith. Even Jesus touched a man and he was partially uh, could see, but he still saw men around his trees and Jesus had to touch him again and find was healed. So there's just a lot of components when it comes to healing and, and as us as infallible or uh, people that are, you know, don't know it all is God is the only one here today that knows it all. Amen. I mean, even your pastor don't know it all. I'm just going to give you what I know and hopefully that'll help. But as far as the full scope of healing, it's partial and complete. Look at verse 10. The Bible goes on to say, but when the time of perfection comes, when is that? When I die. When I go to heaven, when I escape this world and go into the heavenly, but when the time of perfection come, then it says partial things. All of this junk right now here on earth, all of this stuff that we're dealing with, all of it will become useless. All right, because we won't even worry about it anymore. But our full knowledge of the word of God and who we are and who others are will become complete. So right now, our knowledge, our understanding is partial, but one day it'll transfer to being complete. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this. It says, now we see things imperfectly. We don't have the full picture. We don't see everything. Even if you know your Bible forward and backwards, have a doctorate in theology, a master's in in Bible, you still don't have the full picture because it says we see things imperfectly. We see things like a puzzling reflection in a mirror, but then we'll see everything perfectly and with perfect clarity when we're in heaven. So let's be clear. When it comes to healing, we really don't have all the answers. But as we look on here at the scripture, it says, all that I know, and even I'm admitting to you, all that I know and all that I'm going to give you over these next three weeks is partial and incomplete. But one day, all of us in this room will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So there is a day of perfection coming where all of you will be geniuses, okay? You're not one right now, okay? I hate to break that to you, but one day you will be. So in the now and nasty, which let's just call it that, no matter who's president, in the now and nasty, okay, let's just settle that with Scripture, we don't have a complete understanding and knowledge of anything, okay? So that's one Scripture. Now, let's move to a totally different Scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, specifically in the King James Version. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing... And hearing by the word of God. Now everybody say hearing. Hearing. Say it's an action word. You have to understand that, and I think I've taught you this before, hearing is totally different when it's written to the Jewish community than it is to our Western type thinking. So to give it to you like this, how many of you ever heard mama say, take out the trash? None of you? Okay, how many of you ever heard daddy say take out the trash? Have you heard anybody say take out the trash? Okay, so if you didn't take out the trash, usually they'll say take out the trash, right? 
Now in my household, if you didn't take out the trash, the third time when you didn't take out the trash, they say, do you hear me? Right? Now what they meant by that was not, did you hear me? Because that's totally different. Did you hear me means, are you listening? But do you hear me? What mama really said is the garbage out there. Because what mama meant is what I said was to move you into action and take the trash out. Yaggy yak, don't talk back, right? That's what mama wanted you to do. You had to take out the garbage. So when we look at this verse, we have to understand that we can sit in church every week. And according to our Western mindset, we can hear you, pastor. But if you're not doing what you're hearing the word say or the pastor say, then you're really not hearing. And all I have become to you is noise. All that the word has become to you is a time waster because you're not doing it. So when you come to this command center, it's not a lecture up here from a doctor, though I have a doctorate. It's not a lecture from a doctor. It's not that I'm Tony Robbins and I'm giving you a motivational speech. You've come here to hear the infallible word of God. Can I get an amen? That's what you came for, okay? So really the scripture says, so then faith cometh by doing. That's how they would have read it. Faith cometh by doing and doing by the word of God. Are you hearing me today? So let's answer this question with these two scriptures and hopefully we can unravel it. Let's answer this question. Is it God's will to heal me? Let's just settle that first and foremost. As far as I'm concerned, according to scripture, is it God's will to heal me? Yes. Healing is God's will. But what you have to understand, church, is just because everyone is not healed does not mean that it's not God's will to heal. For example, how many of you know that salvation is God's will for everyone on planet earth? Is everyone on planet earth saved? Does that mean that it's not God's will for you to be saved? No. So what we have to understand is you cannot separate healing and salvation. Why? Because by the same means that God saves you by his stripes, by his blood, is the same mean that God heals you. By your, by your stripes, I am healed. Now, we like to categorize it as just physical. But understand to the reader in Israel, they understood it as he wants to heal me physically and he wants to heal me spiritually. Are you with me? So what we have to understand is we can't separate the two healing and salvation, that healing is for some, salvation is forever. No, by the same means that God brought you salvation is the same means that God brings you healing. We can't separate the two, and we'll dive into that more next week, but it is God's will to heal. So when I go back and I look at Romans ten seventeen on the screen again, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. To have faith means... That I need to be hearing God's word or in God's word. Why? Because look on the screen. Very important point. The word of God and the will of God are synonymous. They're one and the same thing. The word of God and the will of God are synonymous. God doesn't say one thing in his word and then does something totally different outside of his word. Are you with me? So on the screen again, if I want to know the will of God for my life, if I want to know what how healing operates, then I need to know the word of God. Amen? So here's what we need to understand. We must understand this today. Is that healing is not just physical. Healing in the Bible means to be made thoroughly. Somebody say thoroughly. It means to be made thoroughly whole. And I hate to come here on a healing service and a healing topic and bust your bubble. But whether you like it or not, no matter how much you have studied about healing, no matter how much you believe in healing, God's number one priority is not to heal you physically. Got really, really quiet in here. The number one priority is not for God to heal your physical body. Well, why not, Pastor? Because he's more interested in your spirit. 
Why? Why is he more interested in your spirit? Look on the screen. The spirit is the only part of us that lasts forever. Are you with me? It is the only part of you that lasts forever. We all understand that after the fall of mankind, the sin nature entered the world. And it affected all of us in this room, okay? If you don't believe me, just... Tune into Facebook, you'll see. But sin affected uh, uh, all humankind, and what did it affect? It affected a whole lot of things, and I can't exhaust everything that it affected, but it affected our spirit. And not only did sin affect our spirit, but it affected us physically. And the first thing that we see that sin affected, and this is not the only thing, but the first thing we see in Scripture is that a woman would have to go through physical pain in childbirth. So don't miss this on the screen. Because of sin, physical pain entered into the picture. Not only physical pain, but sin brought sickness. Not only did it bring sickness, but sin even came and it brought a a, a curse to the ground with, some I say thorns, some I say thistles. Don't forget that. It, It brought a curse on the ground with thorns and thistles and they began to grow. Now, here's what God did. God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to break every single curse of sin. Not only did he bear the stripes for my spiritual healing, not only did he bear my stripes for physical healing, but what did he wear on his head? He wore a crown of thorns and thistles in order to take care of the curse of the ground, and that will eventually come during the new heavens and the new earth. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for it all. Can you give him praise in this place today? He died for it all. But let's focus on our spirit because that's what God is concerned about. We have a sin nature. It is in us. That's why I've preached and preached and preached to you that you have to die daily. According to Romans chapter 12, you have to offer your body as a living sacrifice and kill some things. So let's look at Ephesians on the screen. Ephesians says this. It says once, everybody say once. Okay, this is important. Once you too were dead, dead in the Bible doesn't mean... Dead in the Bible means separation from God. Once you were separated from God because of your disobedience and your many sins. What it's saying is once you were an unbeliever. Once you didn't have Jesus' blood. You didn't have the atonement of the cross. Okay? What we're seeing here is death, separation from God, is connected to sin. It goes on to say you, every one of you, whether you think you're all that in a bag of chips or not, you used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, I'm not saying it, he's saying it, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world. I've taught you and taught you about the cosmos. Cosmos is the operating system that's taking place in this world now that Satan actually operates and controls just like the operating system on a computer. So what you have to see here is there is no gray area when it comes to the kingdom. You either follow God or you follow the devil. It happens every Sunday. I give an invitation to come to Christ. It is totally your will that makes the choice, yes, I will follow him, or no, I will not. If you sit here and say, no, it's not for me, I love you, but you're obeying the devil according to Scripture. As I read on, it says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So any unbeliever that refuses to obey God, refuses to, to operate in the things of God, they're operating, okay, by the influence of the one that's truly working in the heart as the enemy. But read on, look at this, don't miss this. Do not miss this last verse. All of us used to live that way. Is used like past tense. Used to live that way. Okay, it gives some examples of how Christians are living now. Just just following passionate desires. Now, let's label those are the big sins. Passionate desires like 
ooh, I'm going to cheat on my wife. I just can't control this lust. Big passionate desires are big ones. But let's look at these little bitty ones, even though there aren't little bitty ones. And the inclinations of our sinful nature. Watch out, Christian. Especially if you voted for Trump. Watch out, Christian. Because your inclination right now, your sinful nature right now, wants to spew out junk. But the Bible says you use to act that way. Don't act that way no more. It's your choice as a believer if you obey God or if you obey the devil. Pastor, are you telling me that if I don't obey God on certain things, then I'm obeying the devil? No, Scripture is. Because it says all of us used to live that way. Okay. Now, I understand, and I know we're talking about healing, but I understand right now the political environment is cray-cray. But I'm instructing you as your pastor, instead of being cray-cray, let's operate in the fruit of the Spirit, live at peace with everyone, keep the trap shut, keep the fingers from fingering on that uh, Facebook, and live at peace with everyone, and just peacefully go through this. Amen? Just encouraging you, because I know we got a lot of Trumpers in here. Uh, but, okay, that, that's my tangent. Let's get back to healing. So what I'm trying to tell you here is, is that there is no gray area in God's mind. No gray area in God's mind. Let me prove to you that there's no gray area in God's mind. And I'm going somewhere. Just, just hang on tight with me. We're going to swing it back to healing. When we take communion, this is how serious it is of sin in our lives. The elements which we take are symbolic of what? The very avenue which brought healing. We take those elements. We take the bread which represents his body. We take the blood which represents the blood, that, or the juice which represents the blood that was shed for us. And the Bible says we got to get our hearts right, get our spirit right, before we take those elements. So if you're a believer and you come in here and there's still rebellion in your heart, there's still disobedience in your heart, there's still pride in your heart, and you eat of it because you think it's your right to do it, which it is, but you got to get something right first. And if you don't, the Bible calls you hypocritical, and the Bible says you're shaming yourself in front of the God of the universe. Are you with me? This is how important sin is, and we'll connect it to healing here in a second. But First Corinthians says this on the screen. It says, that's why you should examine yourself. Examine yourself. If you're going to call me and complain about somebody else, this is what you're going to get from me. Check yourself first. It is so much easier for you to call and complain about other people and point out their sins than it is for you to examine yourself. And I tell people all the time, if there's a problem in your life and in your family and in your marriage or with a a relationship, check yourself first. Check yourself first. Let's read on. Examine in yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, honoring the avenue for which he brought my healing, honoring the avenue for which he brought my uh, uh, salvation, how do I honor? By obeying the word, submitting to the word, humbling myself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everybody say humble. We're going to see that at the end. Humbling myself before God. Eating, you are eating, watch this, you are eating and drinking God's what? God's what? Okay, look at me, all you grace-filled people. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. I can just do whatever I stink and want to. What's it saying? What's it saying? What? Tell me. Judgment. Understand even in the grace dispensation that we're in, it didn't mean he changed his character and he's no longer a judge. It's telling the church, examine yourself, get yourself right. Because if you do, continued grace. If you don't, there will be judgment. Now, do you think the judges in our community are just sitting around going, I'm looking for somebody to judge. I just can't wait for somebody to get their face in here where I can slap one of the worst judgments on them ever. No, no. They're not there to do that. They're there to judge you when you've done something wrong. But you're the one that does the wrong. 
The judge doesn't make you do the wrong. They're just there in our society to keep order in America. And God does the same thing. He has to keep order in his kingdom. Are you hearing me? So God is still a judge. Now watch this. This is what happens when we break the order. Look at the screen, verse 30. That's why many of you are weak and sick. And some have even died. You mean to tell me everybody in this house that got COVID is... No, I didn't say that. What you have to understand is this. You need to understand some people in the kingdom of God. Yes, they do get sick. Yes, they do get weak. And yes, they do die. Because somewhere in their life, they've constantly mocked God. They got their fire insurance but they never truly made him the Lord. There are times that you can be doing everything that you know to do that is right according to your understanding of the word of God and you can still get sick, you can still get weak, you can still die. But that's why the Bible says examine yourself because you've got to discern any time. Look, when COVID came on me, I'm like, God, if there's any sin, any sin in me, I want to get it under the blood. I don't want to die from this stuff. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Anytime I get sick, I'm always asking God, is it me or is it just the sin nature that has brought pain and sickness, corruption to the world? But the Bible does say that because here's what I want you to look at. Prove it, Pastor. Good. Glad you asked. In the book of James chapter 5 verse 16, it says to bring the elders to, to pray, but it says, therefore confess your sins one to another. See, we don't like to teach this in church. It says confess your sins one to another. It says pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. But don't miss what comes first. What comes first? What comes first in communion? What comes first in the order of bringing the elders for somebody to pray for? What comes first? Spirit. Spirit. And then what? Healing. And some of you understand when your spirit is affected by depression... You can get sick in your body, right? Spirit and physical are connected. But it takes discernment to understand, okay, what is this? Is it just sin-stained world or is it my sin-stained life? I've got to make that discernment. So the point that I'm trying to tell you, and don't write me that all sickness is sin. I did not say that. Listen to me carefully. Discern. Examine yourself. And then choose. And God can heal you through therapeutics. He can heal you through medicine. He can heal you through doctors. He can heal you miraculously. He can heal, he can, he can do a lot of things to bring wholeness to that physical body. But my point is, is God is first concerned about your spirit before he's ever concerned about your body because your spirit is eternal. Because when you die, your body is going back down to the cursed ground which it came from. When I die, what does it go back to? From dust I came, from dust I will go. Why can't my dust go to heaven? Because it's sin stained and there is no sin in heaven. That's why only my regenerated spirit goes to heaven because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And do I get my old body from the dust of the cursed ground? No, I get a brand new body that has absolutely no sin in it. Are you hearing me? So sin can't go. So sin nature can't dwell there. That's why my spirit is more important than this body that's just going to perish. Can I tell you that Lazarus did die again? (laughs) Okay. I mean, he had to die twice, but he did die again. No matter how much God resurrected him and healed that old rotten, stinking body. He did die again. God is more concerned about the spirit than he is the body. Now, a healing in the body... We've made it the end all. But the healing in the body is not the end all. 
We make it a big deal in the church. And yes, it's a big deal. But understand this. And and this is what I want you to get on the screen. God, healing power in your body is an introduction to who he is. And maybe, just maybe, that's why some are healed and some aren't. Think about that. Look, God has a system. And when you know his system, it's really easy. Just like the healing in your spirit, (laughs) according to Ephesians, we used to act that way. If we truly followed scripture and we were acting how we should act, healing in our spirit should bring a changed life. So now my neighbor goes, you used to be a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but something's changed in you. God uses a changed life and he uses healing in your spirit to introduce himself to other people. Are you hearing me today? That's why we should be the light and the salt of the world. So healing in my spirit and me changing my life and dying according to Romans chapter 12, offering my body as a living sacrifice, crucifying my flesh, that's the key to a changed life. But in order to have a changed life, I must do the word of God as I read the word of God in order to do the word of God I got to apply the word to my life I got to be obedient to the word of God and the only way that I can apply and be obedient is I've got to crucify the sin nature allow faith to come by hearing the word of God and doing the word of God amen okay so let's go a little bit deeper with this follow me on this the Bible says that Christ did the will of God okay Jesus healed people. So we understand it's the will of God for healing to happen today. And I know it's still God's will to heal because the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that same healing, yes, it is for you and it is for me. But look at the screen. It's God's will to heal, but the faith to receive healing cannot be appropriated Without the knowledge of the word of God. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot to take in right there. It is God's will to heal. But, that's why it's the big but. The faith to receive healing cannot be appropriated to my life without the true knowledge of the word of God. All right, so when I know the true knowledge of the Word of God, now I can begin to make statements that I know are true. So when I look all throughout the Word of God, this statement, if you don't learn anything else in this series or ever from me, understand this. If you're a visitor and you leave here, understand this. God's power always moves with purpose. Say it with me. God's power always moves with purpose. God doesn't just willy-nilly go, zing! That has no purpose. He doesn't just willy-nilly go, bam! And it has no purpose. Even the platypus has a purpose, okay? Alright? Everything that God does has a purpose. So back to God healing power in my body is an introduction to who he is. And then looking at this up here, the purpose of God healing you is not for you to get better. Which that's what we want because we don't want to suffer. God's purpose of healing you is for you to go deeper into a relationship with him through his word. Why? Because his power always has purpose. Every person that Jesus healed in the Bible bowed down, worshipped him, and followed him because his power always has purpose. So let me be bold enough to say, why would God just heal you and your prayer life not grow deeper? Why would God just heal you and your devotion life not go deeper? Why would God just throw out his power and the servanthood in the body of Christ doesn't grow? Why would God just bring you to a service on Easter, heal you, and then not see you again till the next Easter? So what I'm trying to say, church, is since God is all-knowing, he's the one that decides, am I going to heal this person because I know the future of them going deeper, or are they coming to me just because they think I'm Santa Claus? 
I'm not just going to give out a gift. What is the end result of my power touching that person? Because there's always a purpose behind God's power, and it's to draw you closer to Him. So on the screen, healing should bring holiness. Power and purpose. Isaiah 55, 11, because I don't believe you believe me. Isaiah 55, 11, it is the same with my word. His word is power on the screen. He says, I send it out. And what does it do? It always produces fruit. I send out my power and it will accomplish what I want it to do. I send out my power and it will prosper everywhere I send it. But he chooses if that power is going to fulfill his purpose. And I think that's why sometimes we see Christians healed and sometimes we don't see Christians healed. Are you hearing me? If it doesn't produce holiness, and if it doesn't produce that he knows if I throw this out on you, you're going to change. Are you hearing me? You came to him to receive. You either came to him to receive because he's your Santa Claus or you came to him as your Lord knowing that he can heal and if he did heal me or choose to heal me, I would grow deeper with him. And certainly, yes, he can heal you and if you don't change, the Lord still giveth and the Lord still taketh away. He has that right too. Are you hearing me today? So look at Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. I'm going to shift gears here. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those that find them. That's spiritual life and healing to the whole body. That's physical. But again, notice what comes first, spiritual, then physical. So bottom line, church, you have to grab his word because, yes, it brings life. So if you're in this room and there's depression in your spirit or you're down in your spirit or you feel dead in your spirit or upset in your spirit, get inside of the word of God because the question today in these times that we're living in, are you taking your medicine? Because look at the screen. Jesus, the Lord, is your physician and his medicine that he prescribes is always his word. Always his word. Are you hearing me? And when I get in his word, I can have confidence and I can have assurance that God's word is going to work in my life. It's going to work in my spirit. It's going to work in my body. And nobody can take what has been planted in my spirit away from me. Are you hearing me? So look at the screen. Your faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the Word of God. Your faith cannot exceed the knowledge of the Word of God. Your faith... Listen, you cannot have faith in something until you truly know the Word of God. I mean, like truly know it. Not like what you Googled and you think you know, but you truly have studied the Word of God. Your faith cannot move beyond what is known in your mind. And this is what a lot of Christians say. I hope so. Hope ain't faith. I'm hoping that everything's going to be all right. Do you have faith? Because hope is in your mind. I wish, I'm wishing for, that wishful thinking is in your mind. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, that's all in your mind. Just speak it, speak positive, that's all in your mind. It's got to be something down deep in your spirit and you cannot know what he desires in your life if you don't know what he says for your life. And the Bible says faith is the assurance, the assurance. Where do I get the assurance of the things in my mind I'm hoping for? The assurance of faith is in my spirit. Yes, my mind can say I hope for it, but the assurance is in the word of God of what he says that I can have, what he says I can be. I've got assurance. 
But faith even goes deeper than that. It says, I have now the evidence of things unseen. I got the evidence, baby, of what's going to happen. I ain't even seen it yet, but I've got the evidence in the Word of God of how this thing is going to end. I don't hope the world's going to get better. I know it's going to get worse. I got evidence in the Word of God that chaos has to precede peace. It's going to get worse. The next prophetic event, the sequential prophetic events in the end times is not the USA electing President Biden. It's in the end times is look to Russia. We've already been through World War One. We've already been through uh, Israel uh, coming together. The next prophetic event is Russia aligns with all these weird other countries and they invade Israel for the spoils. And then there's all of a sudden fire and brimstone. Let's CNN and, and MSNBC and Fox explain this one. But fire and brimstone come from heaven, kills all of the army trying to go after Israel. And there's seven years of burying and picking up the dead bodies. Now, if you see that, you better get your heart ready. God does not set his time clock by USA. He sets his time clock by Israel. And if you think you try to find end time events through the newspaper, you are a false prophet. It's called newspaper exegesis, and that don't work. Look to Israel and see what's happening. Are you hearing me? So you got to have the knowledge of the word of God in order to have assurance and have evidence. And when you've got that, nothing can shake you because you know how it's going to go. It's going to be all right. Are you hearing me? Faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the word of God. Now, look at John, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. I'm going off on tangents, but we'll swing back around. I promise you. It's COVID. I promise you. It's COVID. Everything I do that's weird, I'm just going to call it COVID. Y'all getting anything? Okay. Verse 14 says, and we are confident. How can I be confident? Because I've got assurance. I've got evidence. That whenever I ask, oh, wait a minute. Whenever I ask for anything that pleases him. Not anything that pleases me, but anything that pleases him. What pleases him? The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You think it's the new Cadillac. He's not saying that. In order to delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart should become his desires. So if you're not praying desires of his heart, you're not going to get that Cadillac. Are you hearing me? I don't think it's his desire for you to get that Cadillac. But anyway, are you, are you with me? Do you see that? See, we see it from a Western mindset. If I just go to church and tithe and I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me all the desires of my heart. No, baby, don't work that way. What it means is when we get into the word, his desire becomes my desire. I pray out his desire and now it comes because I'm holding him to the word. It's the same here in John. And I can be confident that when I take him at his word and I tell him about his word, I'm confident that he hears me because I'm bringing something that pleases him. And the Bible goes on to say in 15, and since I know he hears me, I can make my request, which is actually his heart. And then I I will know that he will always give me what I ask of him because all I'm doing is asking him what he's already said in his word. But you got to know the word. And when you know his word and I ask according to his word, I can speak the word over my life, right? And God's going to perk up his ears because he's hearing scripture quoted back to him because he wrote it. He knows what it says. And now he perks up his ears and says, I got your back because now you're holding to me a word. And I'm not a man that can lie. I'm a God that will hold to my promise. Are you hearing me today? Come on and give him praise in this place. Now you can know his word and be double-minded. And I think a lot of Christians are right there. We know his word, but we can be double-minded. Double-minded means... God, I know that the word says in the book of Isaiah that by your stripes I am healed. Maybe you will heal me and maybe you won't. That's double-minded. Maybe, God, I'm coming to you today and I know right now in the midst of this election and COVID, there's a lot of people talking to you. And if you could just hear we little old me here in Gearing, Nebraska or Scott's Bluff or Kimball or wherever you're from... 
that's double-minded. Are you with me? Maybe, God, you want this for my life. Maybe, God, you don't want this for my life. But I'm just going to throw it out there and hope that it is what you want for my life. That's double-minded. You either believe God heals or you don't. You can believe God heals, but I'm just not sure if he will heal me. That's double-minded. So the question is, Pastor, how do I stop my double-mindedness? It's very simple. Here's my thinking. And this is my opinion, and I'm telling you it's my opinion. I think many people in the church realm today have developed their doctrine on healing by seeing God heal Jackie, but not heal Sue. And we've developed our doctrine of healing based on what we've seen in our life. So we come to him double-minded and say, I know you did it for Jackie, but you didn't do it for Sue. So I really don't know where I fall on your heavenly list when it comes to healing. So we come to him with double-minded. What you need to learn to stop your double-mindedness is God may have a journey for Jackie, but God may have a different journey for Sue because he has a totally different journey for you. And don't you ever develop your biblical doctrine based on what you saw God do for one person, but he did not do for the other person. Therefore, you sit there and waver when you go into prayer. You have to base your doctrine on the word of God. You have to settle your faith in your mind, in your spirit, on the word of God, way before the battle begins. Are you hearing me today? Do you understand that? I was basing my healing if I ever got COVID, not on the news reports of all the core morbidities and because I was at a 32 BMI, though I did lose weight just in case, I, I based it on the word of God that you were going to see me through. You have anointed me and appointed me for such a time as this to get a group of people through. So when it, my time comes, and if I do get COVID, Lord, I pray that you will see me through it like I've never seen anybody go through. And that you would heal me and I would come out alive and whole. Are you hearing me? But I was ready for the battle before it ever came. And let me look at me. It is inevitable that all of you will go through something sometime in your body. You will one day wake up with snotty snort sniffles, okay? All of this thinking, I'm just walking in divine health. Really? Really? Wait to that day that you got a fever. Where did that divine health go? The only day you're going to be walking in divine health is when you pass from this earth to heaven. Yes, we can receive divine health while we're still on this earth, but nobody in their sin-stained, marred, corrupted body is walking in what they claim as divine health. You need to go ahead and understand that your sin-stained, marred, broken-down, waddle self, okay? Every time I look at the mirror, I know I'm falling apart. You've got to get your doctrine settled about your healing before you walk through something. So my question for you is, are you prepared for a physical breakdown spiritually? I ain't talking about COVID. I'm just talking about any physical breakdown. Are you ready for any physical breakdown, emotional breakdown, relational breakdown spiritually? Because your spirit is more important than what you're going through. But here's what I do know about God. Would you go to any doctor in this community that you saw a commercial on TV where it said, Hey, I'm Dr. Wigglefingers, and for $19.95, you can come see me. And I like for some of my patients to be healed, and others I really like to see go through pain and die. (laughs) How many would go to that doctor? That's not what our God is doing. Our God is not that type of physician. Are you hearing me? He wants you to be healed. But the question remains, even though that you know that, have you developed your doctrine based on what you see God do for Jackie and what God did for Sue? Or do you base your doctrine of healing on the word of God of what you've seen him do in the Bible? Because here's the deal. You can believe him sometimes and not believe him other times and you'll be double-minded. Are you hearing me? So as the musicians come, I'm going to give you the formula for how to be healed. Are you ready?
It's a beautiful scripture. It just throws the formula in our faith. If you've got all of this operating, there is one crazy factor, but if you've got it all operating, you are right in line to be healed. You ready? Okay, one person is. I wrote all this for you. All these other people, they don't need it. Y'all ready? Matthew 8, 1 through 3. Large crowds followed Jesus. He came down the mountainside. This is important. All this next part. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him. Right there in biblical times, this man had faith. He wasn't supposed to approach anybody, much less this man that he's heard about. He was supposed to go, unclean, unclean, and everybody run. But his faith was operating so strong that you know what he said? I'm going to break the law to get in touch with the lawgiver. He'll understand why I broke it. And he knelt before him. Humility. What does the Bible say to do? To examine yourself, to come humbly before the Lord. The king of the universe, y'all. You can't approach him willy-nilly. According to my scripture, I got to approach him a certain way. And that's humbly. So I got faith. I've got obedience. Now watch this. Lord. Look at what he calls him, Lord. In the original language, it means that God is in control. There was something in this leprous man that knew that he was the Messiah. That knew that he was God incarnate. That he was a a fully God yet fully man. He knew who he was. How did he know who he was? Because this man knew prophecy. This man knew the word. Are you seeing it? He knew the word. And then the man said, if you're willing. And say, I think that's the problem in America today. The American church. Now he doesn't stop there and I'll show you something. This was not double mindedness. But this is the age old question in the church. Yeah, I'll go to the healing series and I'll come to the altar if, if he's willing. Because I don't know. See, we ask it if you're willing with all of this doubt. With all of this double-mindedness. Lord, you have the ability, you have the power, I know that. But what's the problem? Are you willing? God, I'm asking you this about me because I've seen you do it for some and I haven't seen you do it for others. So I'm coming to you going, are you willing for me? But when you read this man, it wasn't a question. The man said, if you are willing, look at what he said. He said, you can. You can heal me. You can make me clean. His doctrine was right because it is the other part of the formula. Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Church, God is willing. But before we get sick, we need to build up our faith in the word of God. Because here's the formula. Look at the formula on the screen. Faith plus the word plus obedience plus God. If you've got faith, word, and obedience, you can be just like this man. You ask with right doctrine. If you're willing, you can. Because only God gets to decide. And that's the part I can tell you that I only know in part because I just see through a mirror darkly. And why he chooses some and chooses others, I do not know. Maybe it could be because he sees That's just not going to serve any purpose. Maybe we do come double-minded and there really isn't faith. But when I got the faith, baby, when I'm holding him to his word and I've got an obedient lifestyle, I leave it up into God's hands. Because when I get in the word, faith grows inside of me. And when the enemy comes against me, I got mountain-moving faith to fight him. But here's the deal. No matter what sickness 
no matter what physical problem comes on you. Here's really the question. Do you have faith to be healed? Or do you have faith to make it through if he chooses not to? Because I've seen many people turn on God when they came to church for about three months and they were only coming because they had cancer and God never healed them, so they left. Maybe that's why God didn't heal you. Because he knew if I threw out my power, there'd be no purpose in your life because he knew your heart all along. But when you got faith, word, and obedience operating, it's totally up to God, whatever he wants to do. Look at the screen. Healing has to be settled in you before the battle begins. You got to know the word of God in areas you haven't even walked in yet. I'm not talking about just healing. Yeah, you got to know, you need to have a list of healing scriptures before you get sick. Don't be calling me why you're sick and going, can you throw out a scripture? No, you should already have a book of scriptures. Google them, you'll find them. You need to already have a battle plan before y'all are knocking on the lawyer's door saying, I think we want a divorce. You need to be prepared for anything that comes and God's word prepares you for that. Do not, church, do not get in the middle. See, this is what I found in this whole entire pandemic. We got in the middle of something and Christians didn't even know what to do. Because they weren't prepared in their spirit for the battle that was ahead. We were trying to teach you do not fear. Really? We're that shallow that we should go back to do not fear but have faith? That's how shallow I believe the church of America was when this hit. Because we got in the middle of something we didn't know what to do. We're an easy target for the enemy. But a strong church, a strong believer, when the enemy challenges you, you got the word to fight back. Oh, I've already been practicing for you. I already know how to give you the one-two and the uppercut with this formula. Are you hearing me? Got to be battle ready, church. Because the word wins every time. Everybody say that. The word wins every time let me go ahead and give you a secret it's never about if I preach good or not I could be the most anointed preacher on planet earth speak so eloquently that we pack the house but if you don't know the word it's a weak church it's all about how much you know not me I try to teach you what I know, but it's all about what you know. Melissa could operate in the Holy Ghost and everybody up here could be so anointed that we give you the most anointed worship experience ever. But if you don't have an ounce of this in you, the words on the screen mean nothing to you. I bet you I could ask my Sunday school class how much more the words on the screen mean to you and how they hit your spirit differently after you've gone through my class because now you see the word in a different way. You worship in a different way and it's all about how much... It doesn't matter how big this church gets. We could have a thousand people and if we're all ignorant, we're a powerless church. But we could have 150 people that know this word back and forth and we could be the biggest powerhouse in this community. Are you hearing me? How do I know that? Listen to me now. I close with this. The enemy can beat you. But he can't beat the word in you. He can defeat you. But he can't defeat the word in you. And the more word we have in us, the more faith we have to receive the healing that he's got for our spirit and he's got for our physical body. Amen. Stand to your feet all over this place.